Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. March is National Nutrition Month. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Cue <Celebrate>. the applause. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive on the National Nutrition Month program this year that's promoting eating right, bite by bite. March is, you know how they have those national observations every month. Right. And some of them get a little crazy. Yep. But they've been doing March uh, National Nutrition Month since 1973. Started as National Nutrition Week. Um, right, and then became like that month, month <laughs> in 1980. Uh, so I think it's a really great time to kind of get back to basics. Yeah. And think about messaging. Sometimes I think... Dietitians can get overtaken a little bit by popular media. If you go to any bookstore and you see all of those diet books on the shelves, only a very small fraction yeah. are written by a registered dietitian. Right. And so I think this is kind of the time for dietitians to get out there. Get <laughs> you know, that message it, out right, there. get that message out there. Yeah. And, you know, I hope that's something that I do all the time. But I think, you know, this is a particular time of year where dietitians can really shine. And I really liked the message this year, the bite by bite. To me, yep. that really emphasizes what I try to talk to my clients about. Right. Is it's just one step at a time, one bite at a time, right? It right. doesn't have to be that complicated. Right. So I thought we'd talk about uh, the different key messages that we're promoting this this month is eating, a, I'll take them one at a time. First one is eating a variety of nutritious foods every day. That's um, maybe easier said than done. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's why I thought it might be helpful to talk right. about it a little bit more. I think, you know, maybe <laughs> you have patients like this. I know I do who sort of feel like they eat maybe the same breakfast every morning mm -hmm. or maybe they take the same packed lunch every day. Mm -hmm. And does that mean you're not eating a variety of food? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. Uh, I guess in my mind, yes, I'm eating a variety of food and I, I can attest probably nine times out of 10, I'm eating the same breakfast every morning. Mm -hmm. uh, so I feel like I'm a little repetitive, but I think when we talk about variety, what we're really meaning is we want to eat a variety from all the different food groups. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what's more important to me when I talk about variety. And that's, that's a good point because right. people might not pick up on that. They might think variety and think I have to have, have a different breakfast right. every morning. Yeah. I think your point is well taken on picking from those different food groups. And sometimes that's a, like a conscious effort on my part. For example, today, before I came here, mm -hmm. my husband made me a lovely breakfast sandwich with um, bagel and egg and cheese. Delicious. And I thought, okay, I've got dairy, I've got uh -huh. protein, I've got um, starch, carbohydrate. Uh -huh. I'm missing fruit. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to cut up some strawberries and have that alongside it. Cut up a couple of red peppers. Enjoy that Ooh, along with yeah. I've hit all of those groups now. Yep. So it takes sometimes a little bit of thought, okay, what do I have to start with, that breakfast right. sandwich, yeah. and what could I add to it to make it a little bit more well-rounded than I already have it? Yes. That's exactly, that keyword add is what I think a lot of people might be a little surprised at when they come and meet me is I'm always talking about what they need to add to their diet. Right. Because <laughs> most diets are takeaway. Exactly. This is why dietitians can't sell books. <laughs> Probably not. Because we're not radical. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I can't sell a book is because we are talking about adding those good things to your diet instead of taking away everything that you right. love. It's not our, not our style. Not our style. Doesn't work. Not our style. It doesn't work either. Right. True. Okay. So 
Also, so including a variety of foods from all the different food groups, but also hydration. What do you think about that? Hydrating healthfully, they right. talk about. I think that's important. I think it's important to remember that water is wonderful, but if water's not your jam, there are plenty of other ways to be yes. well hydrated. There's so much guilt around whether or not you're drinking water. Right. And then, of course, what kind of water are you drinking? Right. Is it from the tap? Is it filtered? Who cares? It's right. water. Yeah. You know, you should drink the water that tastes good to you. If right. your tap water doesn't taste good, yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. You know, I have a well at home, so mm-hmm. our tap water is not great. Although I just learned something at a meeting we had the water department in, mm-hmm. and they, they talked to us about the Columbus water supply. And one things that one of the things that they mentioned is if you don't like the taste of the water, a lot of times that's because you have chlorine in it and that might be affecting hmm. your flavor of your water. And did you know if you take your water and like maybe pour it in a pitcher, mm-hmm. let it sit for about a minute or two, then it might not taste as bad to you. Very interesting. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. So I know a lot of people who keep like a pitcher of water in their refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And so you just keep it there, keep it chilled, and then use it that way. You might not have a big problem with your water then. Very interesting. But, you know, there are plenty of other ways to hydrate. Yes. You know, iced tea, Mm -hmm. coffee, believe it or not, it does not dehydrate you. That is a myth that I think I will be retired (laughs) and possibly dead before it goes away. Yeah. That coffee does not dehydrate you. Right. No. It maybe makes you feel like you have to go to the bathroom. Right. But it's because it's mostly fluid. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Which makes you have I mean, to go to the bathroom. It does have caffeine that right. they say can act as a diuretics a little bit. Right. But, but what kills me about that is we heard that all the time when I was in school, long, mm-hmm. long time ago, is, well, you can't count coffee, you can't right. count tea. We used to teach that. Oh, I that did too. We weren't allowed to say that that counted as mm-hmm. your fluid. However, weren't you told in the hospital when you were working with those renal patients right. that all that fluid counted? Right. Why did so, it only count for them? Right. 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 <laughs> I always wondered that. And right. then they changed the rules. And then we were able to say, yes, you, right. you need to count. All fluid can count. Right. And then thinking about that things, though, that are also have fluid. So milk. Juice, right? Those types of things, right? Hundred percent juice yeah. has fluid, but even some of those juicy foods that mm-hmm. we eat—fruits, right. soups, Jello—anything that's liquid at room temperature can become liquid at room temperature right. is considered a fluid. And even broccoli has fluid in it, right? So I think it's like ninety-five percent water. water, right? So the only fluid I don't count in terms of hydration is alcohol. Because mm-hmm. alcohol does dehydrate you. Yeah. And so it's one of the reasons that I encourage patients to drink water along with their beverages. Alternating back and forth. I right. do the same thing. I right. And I think it's important thing. because, first of all, you're hopefully going to drink less alcohol. But second of all, you're going to counteract a little bit of that dehydration. And, of right. course, I wonder sometimes about headaches after consuming alcohol if it's more really maybe to dehydration. dehydration. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Than to the alcohol itself. True. Good point. All right. And then how about reading that nutrition facts label? So Learning how to do that is We know it's tip. changing. Yes, it is changing. And um, I believe that the implementation date for most <laughs> like <Trouble>. large companies <laughs> was in January, but for everybody will be in July. I'm actually going to do a presentation on this uh, for a group in Bell Fountain in a couple of weeks. Cool. And just listening to the history of the nutrition facts label uh-huh. and how it came about. But I think it's important to... Use the information that you're given. That's one thing I've been doing in preparing for this presentation is reading studies about when people look at that nutrition facts panel, 
what do they do with that information? Mm-hmm. Comparatively, maybe what's on the front of the package. Okay. Which can be really confusing. If you yeah. see something that says, you know, may promote strong bones or, may, you know, low in fat or low, less sugar or... Contains whole grains. Right. Reduced <laughs> sodium. What does right. that mean? Right. Those front of the claim packages are one thing, front of the package claims, but then you turn to the back and you find that nutrition facts panel or maybe it's yeah. on the side of the package. And you want to look at that information and say this is the information that is actually useful. Right. And the studies that I've read has said, you know, people who actually use the nutrition facts panel make better decisions Yeah. than people right. who just use the front of the package claims because those can be really kind of sometimes even deceptive. They're yeah. marketing claims in a lot of situations. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. So learn to read that nutrition facts label. And we have a previous podcast on the on nutrition that. facts right. pa- panel. So if you would like to listen back in your audio, <laughs> that's the time to do that. Yeah. And then practicing portion control. This is a big one. I don't like portion control. <laughs> I don't like that term because uh-huh. it's that word control always right. makes me feel like it's a little skivvy with thinking about eating disorders and those types right. of things. I've never loved the word control around right. food. Yeah. But maybe think- just realistic portions or looking and understanding what portions look like rather than controlling portions. Or how about controlling it based on the fact that you're being mindful about it? Right. Maybe, maybe that's a better way to look at right. being portion control means paying attention to how you're feeling. Right. And controlling your portions based on your your body and right. your body's response to the food, well, which maybe, can be hard to learn. Right. And maybe not setting yourself up to fail. So, you right. know, in situations where, you know, I know that some mm. of this research is still really controversial, but using those smaller plates and smaller bowls mm-hmm. can trick you into feeling like, and when I say trick you, not like in a, a mean way, but right. kind of make you feel a little bit more satisfied because yeah. you don't have this tiny little scoop of mashed potatoes on oh, this 12-inch no. <laughs> plate that looks pathetic. Yeah. You know, you get that smaller plate and uh-huh. you put the scoop of mashed potatoes on, you feel like I'm getting more food. Exactly. I, I, I know that affects me. I, yep. I feel better when I don't feed myself off my huge plates. I have, um, my mom got me these great new dinner plates, but mm-hmm. they're huge. Right. And it comes with two smaller size, like there's a square small mm-hmm. plate and then a circle small plate. Mm-hmm. I'm more apt to use those for my dinner meals instead of the big one. Right. Because it does, for me, make me feel more full. Right. One thing I do with ice cream, which is a favorite food of mine, is put mm-hmm. it in a coffee cup. Mm-hmm. You know, not now, not like my 12 ounce, like the ones I use in the morning <laughs> to drink coffee, but you know, like a small a coffee small. cup. I have a little monkey dish, you know, like those little ramekins or yeah. whatever they're called. The, it's like a very small portion. I, I prefer to do that instead of a bowl after I've just had a meal because I feel like I just want a little taste of ice cream. Right. Not necessarily a large dish. Yeah. So don't set yourself up if you have ways exactly. to eat off of smaller plates or drink out, drink out of like taller, thinner glasses. That's pretty effective. Yeah. And then take time to enjoy your food. Yep. How many of us ate in the car this week? Right? Hmm. I put, everybody put up their okay. hands, right? My hands up. Yep. How many ate at their desk? That would be me. Oh, yeah. I eat every day at my I, desk. It's an extremely bad habit that I have. But you're eating, too, I guess, in a way. Are you working while you're yes. eating? Yes. Oh, yes. I'm working oh, while I eat. okay. <laughs> every day. <laughs> every I have day. been trying really hard to literally take a break and just let myself be, 
eating my meal, even Mm -hmm. though it is at my desk. Right. (laughs) And I try to put on like, I I know just because I'm at work, I'll I'll put on like a Netflix show or something. Mm -hmm. I started binge watching some shows. And so I've been doing that just to take a little break. I think, you know, we, we overestimate how important we are. Yeah. You know, that we have to continue to work through lunch. Mm-hmm. And I know there's maybe an expectation in some workplaces that people don't take breaks and yeah. that they should work through lunch. And that's not the expectation where I, where I work by any means. Yeah. Because everybody, I just have that bad habit of feeling like if I could just get more done, mm-hmm. if I can just chart while I eat, right. yeah. then I'm getting more done. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I'm probably not as productive by the end of the mm-hmm. day as I could be because I sort of burn myself out for seven and a half hours. And then right. by hour eight, I'm sort of, right. I'm done. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Right. So take sure. that time. And the other thing to remember is the more time you take to enjoy your food, the more slowly you will eat, right. the more satisfied you will feel. So exactly. slow down. Slow down. It takes your body sometimes up to 20 minutes to feel and recognize that fullness feeling. Right. right. And a lot of us have learned to not pay attention to that. Yep. Okay. So second message is to plan your meals each week. Do you plan your meals? No. <laughs> I'm trying, actually. I'm doing a little bit better. We uh-huh. at least sort of have a discussion uh-huh. on our Sunday walk uh-huh. about what we're going to eat that week. And I sort of think about, okay, here are the days I know we're going to be eating out okay. or that we've got kids around. And so that's a traditional pizza or Chinese night. Uh-huh. So those types of kind of make a general plan for the mm-hmm. week. What do you have going on this week? Right. What do I need to do? Do I need a crock pot meal? Right. What, what do we need to right. do? Or do we need to eat out? A lot of people think if you're going to plan your meals, you're making all those meals. That's not the case. You can be planning, okay, it's a busy night. We're starting to get, we'll be into soccer season again soon, Mm -hmm. you know, all those sports and things like Mm -hmm. that. What is going on and what do you need to plan around? I personally plan my dinners every week. Uh, And I, I, if I get off my game there, I don't like that. Okay. Because I'm... The type of person that I know a lot of my clients will say, yeah, it's just when you get home, you're just tired. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I want to do is to try to think about a balanced meal at that point. Right. Because sometimes I'm so hungry when I walk in the door. So I have to think ahead and know, okay, well, I'm going to come home and I'm going to cook a meal and I've got time to do it. So I'll probably have a snack in the afternoon. So it helps me a lot to plan ahead. And so when I actually do sit down and write down what I'm going to have for dinner, I will write my grocery list, too. Yep. Great idea. Yep. It helps me a lot because then when I'm going to the grocery store, I'm more focused on what I need to get. And I have my recipes in front of me so I don't forget what I need to get either. Because that drives me crazy, too, is if I forgot to buy an ingredient. I've done it occasionally on the fly. Mm -hmm. Okay, I want to make this dinner that we all like. Uh, like one of the things that we like is a spicy pork pizzoli Mm -hmm. and I I don't quite know the recipe enough to do that on the fly and just pick up the right ingredients at the store. And if I'm missing a key ingredient, then that throws everything off and it's frustrating. I think the other thing to remember is it's okay to utilize pre-prepared foods when it's convenient. I am a big fan of store-bought rotisserie chickens. Uh In fact, that might be what we're going to do tonight. (laughs) I love the ones from Costco because they're just huge and they're so good. Uh Um, And then you can have leftovers and reinvent it for another night. Right. 
So, you know, you can use a bag of frozen pasta. You can mm -hmm. use a bag of frozen vegetables. Mm -hmm. and you can put a, you know, some rotisserie chicken. Now you can freeze your protein. You've got your starch. you got your yep. vegetable. Mm -hmm. Have a side of fruit on the side. Voila, you have a complete dinner right. without stressing yourself out. Right. It doesn't have to be all from scratch. Right. Absolutely. And I, I highly recommend that, too, and do that quite often. Uh, anytime I can take a shortcut you know, chopping stuff especially or mm -hmm. that type of thing. I love those frozen like bags of onions and peppers yes. that are soup starters. Mm -hmm. What a great idea mm -hmm. because yeah. that's something that takes time mm -hmm. and, you know, I think that's a, you know, and nice. You don't have to use the whole bag. You can just reseal yeah. it and use it yep. for another day. Yeah. Yep. And your frozen vegetables are just as healthy. They don't have, if you in fact maybe right Yeah. In fact, yeah. in fact, maybe more healthy. Maybe more. Depending yeah. on where you live. Yep. yep. All right. And then, um, you know, enjoying healthy eating when you're at school and work and maybe even traveling. Yes. Is key. Yep. So traveling is tough. Traveling can be tough, but it's not as tough as I, I just traveled a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that bad. Right. I think part of it is sometimes you're off a schedule that you're used to. True. You're off um, maybe your normal you're breakfast. You're not on your schedule for sure. Right. <laughs> With the airlines. And maybe you're away from your normal breakfast. Uh-huh. But, you know, the, the, and sometimes if you're traveling for pleasure, you find yourself, you know, eating more heavy foods or, mm -hmm. again, drinking more alcohol than you're used to drinking. And, and then sometimes that can kind of catch up with you. Yeah. By the end of the week, you're like, I just would like a salad. Please, yes, I would like a please. salad. <laughs> right. If I've been eating lots and lots of heavy food for yeah. several days, it, yeah. it doesn't sit well eventually. Yeah. So and I think, you know, as long as you are keeping that in mind and maybe working when you're eating, you know, when you're traveling to say, okay, we're going to have a, a lighter breakfast that we're going to prepare either in a condo or in a hotel room mm -hmm. that's more normal and then have maybe a heavier meal at lunch and mm -hmm. then a lighter meal in the evening Yeah, to kind of let that day go. Yes. You yeah. Know? So it, does, it doesn't mean you have to eat three heavy meals out. Right. Yeah. We're about to go um, to Florida for a week vacation here and Typical day there is very much what you just described. Mm -hmm. We'll make our own breakfast there. Uh, we usually go out to lunch because we kind of do a more of a later lunch, mm -hmm. too, and then do a bigger, heavier lunch, and then we'll more likely just snack, and that way we're back at the beach for the sunset. You know? Oh, that's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. 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 So, and it's cheaper. <laughs> yes. Lunches are always cheaper in restaurants. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, one my, I do want to mention one of my best tips when you're in the airport, we mentioned that, mm -hmm. is those little Sabra hummus with yes. pretzels. I've even seen them recently, uh, hummus with veggies. Oh, you're kidding me. No. No. I oh, that's saw exciting. that the most recent time I went. Yeah. So... I think that's a great filling and grab and go and you can eat it on the plane when you're hungry right. instead of trying to feel like, you know, if you've got a flight from 11 to 1. You're missing lunch. You're not going to want to eat before you get on the plane at 11 right. necessarily. Yeah. You're, yep. But you're missing lunch, so get a snack. Yep. All right. Great. Okay. So this last, this next one is uh, learn skills that create tasty meals. And so I think a lot of people are afraid to be in their kitchen. Right. And just not comfortable, maybe is, not afraid. I mean, I say this is one upside because I know that they have some significant expense to them, to those meal kits that mm -hmm. people maybe subscribe yes. to. Mm -hmm. Maybe it gets you back into the kitchen, maybe gives you some cooking skills that you That's haven't had. That's for a lot of my clients. Right. Mm -hmm. 
it gets you maybe to use ingredients that you haven't used. Plus, <laughs> it's all done and you're not forgetting something at the store because exactly. it's all arriving at your house. Correct. And the cool thing I like about a lot of those, if, you, if you're if you smart about the ones you choose, is make sure that you're getting ones. I mean, most of the time they have to send this to you. They send you the recipe. Yep. And so then you can do it yourself once you feel comfortable about right. it. And I've had people who just save all those recipes and then they have something to pull from to try something and, and rotate through those. Absolutely. That's a great idea. Uh, so in terms of this too, I was thinking uh, a lot of times we tend to think, we don't think outside the box maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do get stuck in a rut in right. our house. I know there's certain people in my house who have a bunch of food that's left over. Right. But yet they'll go make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Right. That's not going to go bad. Right. And so to me, I'm also always thinking about food waste. And I like to get creative with things that are left over in the refrigerator first. So that's another thing I do when I plan my dinners. Right. Is I'm also going and raiding the fridge and saying, okay, what do we have in here? What's about to go bad? Mm -hmm. And what can I use? And then make a meal based on around what I have on hand. Right. And even if you if that feels a little overwhelming to you, even just having kind of a, a night that you plan every week for leftovers. Yeah. You know, I say, I'm just going to set everything out yep. and have at it. <laughs> you know, kind of go, mm-hmm. we've got all these things that we need to clean out the fridge. Or sometimes I'll even right. do that before we go to, I go to the grocery stores, have that leftover clean out so I have some room right. for next week's for food. Ne- yeah. Right. So use those Perfect. leftovers. Um, or again, using them for lunches the next day. Yeah. Um, but you again need to encourage people sometimes yeah. to do that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you just said there about using it for lunch the next day. A lot of times I do, when I'm putting away dinner, I will purposely put it into, uh, if I have enough for maybe leftovers plus a lunch container, mm-hmm. I'll do both. That's and that great way idea. I can take it to lunch the next day and then I have leftovers right. that I can use for another meal. Another thing I would say about getting creative here is also cooking once and eating two, right. three times right. if you can. Right. Or buying the rotisserie chicken. Right. And then, so having a rotisserie chicken with some potatoes and mm-hmm. carrots and having that traditional, like, roast chicken meal. Mm-hmm. But then the leftovers, you can shred that chicken and use it in so many different ways. Right. You could make fajitas. You could make salads right. with grilled chicken on top or sandwiches. Right. Just, yeah. Many things that you can do with that. And I think, you know, sometimes when we talk about preparing ahead or you know people feel like they've got to be like everybody on Instagram and have these mm-hmm. meal prep sessions on Sunday and and if that's your your thing I think that's awesome. It's not mine. Yeah. Um, plus, I think I might burn out if I was eating literally the same thing every right. day and making an entire week worth of food. But if that's, if again, if that works for you, that's great. Right. But it doesn't have to be that involved. It doesn't. And I, I have a dear friend, and she is really good about just, okay, I don't know what I'm going to feel like. Right. So I don't want to plan my meals. Right. I want to just, she just kind of lives in the moment and she'll... Right do what she wants to do and, and that's make another it happen. Approach. And that is definitely another approach. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So the other thing here is just sharing meals together as a family. Yes. I think that is that's really, tough. <laughs> it's tough, but it's also very important. Right. Everybody's it, schedules are such now. And I, and I know why things have to be sometimes the way they are with practices and games. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. 
But, you know, if you have one kid coming home at 530 and the <laughs> next kid's out at 6 right. for something else, that's yeah. really hard on a family to say, well, now we're going to sit down and eat together. Absolutely. You know, it's I think a major if, frustration. if you can do it even a couple of times a week, it's better than doing it zero times exactly. per week. It doesn't have to be seven days a week. Right. It doesn't. And no. it doesn't have to be dinner. Can you sit down and eat breakfast right. together? Exactly. It That's the thing. Everybody thinks mm-hmm. it's got to be this big family traditional dinner. Right. It, sh- it certainly does not need to no. be. No. Nope. It does not need to be dinner. There's many times when we've done that kids shuffling and, <laughs> you know, passing in the night and, you know, family meal. And it's right. just, okay, I put something in the crock pot and right. everybody grab it when you're here. Right. And we don't necessarily eat that meal together. You right. Know. Uh, or go out and and sometimes that's nice though too I know you know maybe you're having dinner with one or two of your kids and then your spouse is having dinner with the other child Mm -hmm. that makes it kind of nice sometimes to have that one-on-one with those different kids too so think about it that way too it doesn't have to be the whole big family right and it doesn't have to be every night even if it's just okay Friday nights well and that's not good during football season I know but like whatever like if you can find one night and it may rotate every week that's fine right or Um, Sunday dinner if that's something where everyone is sort of home mm -hmm. and that's a time that people can kind of carve out a half an hour in their schedule to sit down and have a meal together you know last night we did take out and but we sat together right and that was that was pretty cool even though we didn't make the meal Right. We still sat together and ate. Right. And maybe it was more possible to sit together and eat because right after that, people were taking off in their individual directions. Yep. <laughs> and and that was, but it made it possible to sit right. down by doing takeout. Absolutely. Yep. I love that. So I think that a lot of times when we see these messages that come out from the National Nutrition Month and what you're going to see all month, it's March now, you know, you might see these messages, just try to make them work for you. Right. Right. So... Don't try to feel guilty over these messages. Stay off Instagram. Stay. <laughs> just, but just, you know, all these ideas are great. Right. But as we've just discussed, there's many ways of interpreting them and many ways of making it work for you. Right. I think it, again, we, we want to make it so complicated. Mm-hmm. We want to make it so radical and extreme. Right. And I, I think you can do all of that for a short period of time. Be Mm -hmm. on any diet and you can understand, I can do anything. I can stand on my head for a short period of time, (laughs) but I'm not going to be able to do that long term. Mm -hmm. And when I can't do it long term, then I'm just going to go back to what I was doing. And and then I'm going to get frustrated. Exactly. And feel like, well, this has failed again. Right. So maybe looking at, okay, my goal is to make sure that I hit all five food groups in a meal three times a week. Wonderful. Yeah. If you're doing it currently zero, let's make it three. Exactly. You know, let's make it one if that's a struggle for you. Yeah. Because, again, if you're doing something that is so difficult Mm -hmm. or stressful, the other thing is you become very cognitive about your food choices. I've been reading a lot about this. We become so cognitive about our food choices Uh that we no longer, we're so worried about it, we're so stressed out about it that we don't pay attention to our bodies. We're just thinking about this is what I should eat. Right. And being overly cognitive about your food choices is a problem when mm-hmm. you're looking at weight management because it all it looks at you're thinking about food all the time. Right. And that's not a healthy thing. No. Yeah. 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 Very good. And if you're struggling, then I would say, you know, finish by thinking about consulting with a registered dietitian. Yes. And going to that expert. So, you, so you'll see us abbreviated sometimes as RD. 
I changed to the new RDN. I go back and forth. <laughs> Depends on the email I'm writing. <laughs> I I, it really does for me. <laughs> um, me too. So you'll see sometimes abbreviated as RD or RDN, mm -hmm. and those are considered registered dietitians or registered dietitian nutritionists. Be very careful who else you consult for nutrition advice right. because they do not have the training mm -hmm. to be able to give appropriate advice. And this is where it gets very sticky into the fitness industry. Um, it gets very sticky into physicians who try to kind of tread into nutrition yeah. and giving weight loss advice. Mm -hmm. You got to understand that um, a fitness professional, as much as I respect them for what they do, and I couldn't do what they do. Right. And I shouldn't do what they do. Mm -hmm. Personal trainers, I think it's awesome what they're able to do with clients and personalized exercise plans. Right. They are not qualified to give specific medical nutrition therapy advice. They can right. give general information Correct. about healthy eating, as many people can. Right. But they can't tell you how many grams of protein or they should not be telling you how much carbohydrates and... Right all those individual nutrients. Right. Well, and if you have other health conditions, if you have hypertension, right. if you have diabetes, medication. They are, they're not equipped. No, and they are not. And the good fitness professionals, and I know many of them, mm -hmm. will say, hold on. Right. I'm not a dietitian. Right. But I know one. And <laughs> yeah. and I will be happy to refer you. And this is exactly what I would do for them. Right. You know, exactly. if, the, if a client is asking me for specific exercise advice, I can say they should go take a walk, right? but if they're yeah. not able to walk for some physical reason, I say you should probably consult a personal trainer who could work with like some sit fit exercises and upper body stuff. Right. Again, not my, not and my tailor thing. Tailor it to you. And right. that's what they do. That's what we do is right. we tailor the nutrition to you. Right. Physicians, same thing. Mm -hmm. Need to understand their lane and our lane. And yeah. I hope that you know, and I also think just from the physician's perspective, they're so, they're so busy. Yeah. I, I couldn't even imagine doing that job. Leave it to us. Hand yeah. it over. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and then you don't have to worry about it. Right. Yeah. You know, you don't have to spend the time going over this with your client or with your patient in right. an appointment. Send them to, to the expert and, and, you know, let, let us handle it. Just like yeah. you would refer to physical therapy or occupational therapy. Exactly. Instead of spending a lot of time in those appointments, just, you know, send them and say, this person will get you set up with the right kind of yep. plan. Yeah. Insurance is tricky with dietitian appointments. Yes, it um, can be. And it, it, so, you know, a first step might be to ask the doctor for a referral or contact your insurance company and see mm -hmm. if there's a dietitian listed uh, as a provider in your right. network. Right. But even then, even if a dietitian is li listed as in your network, that does not mean that they actually are covered under your particular health plan. Right. You need to and contact your particular health plan to yes. see what is covered, yes. how many visits are Call covered. Call the number on the back of your card and right. ask them if, if this dietitian that you're finding is covered under your plan. And right. then, like you said, how many visits, um, they might not have a limit on that, but it just, it just depends on the plan mm -hmm. and what they've included and what they haven't included. And sometimes it depends on the diagnosis. You know, if you're looking for general healthy eating, yeah, that may or may not be covered. Yeah. If you're looking to treat diabetes, most mm -hmm. likely that is going to be covered. But if you're looking to treat hypertension, it might not be. I mean, it just depends a little bit on what your individual insurance plan covers. But in the end, 
you want to try to work with an RDN or an RD if at all possible as your number one choice for nutrition advice. Just as you would, again, go to a specialist Mm -hmm. in heart disease for your physician, you want to go to a specialist in nutrition. Yep. 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 Okay. So I just, just to wrap it all up here today, the message this month is eat right, bite by bite, and... Like mentioned here, good nutrition doesn't have to be restrictive or overwhelming. Small goals and changes can have a cumulative healthful effect, and every little bit or bite of nutrition is a step in the right direction. Absolutely. So isn't happy, that just a lovely moderate that, plan? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, happy National Nutrition Month. Happy and by National. the way... Registered Dietitian Day is oh. Wednesday, March 11th. So if you have a dietitian in your life, yes, hint to my husband, <laughs> buy her a gift. Yeah. <laughs> buy her some flowers. That'd be nice. Yes. Yeah. Well, we, we always look for ideas uh, for future podcasts. If you'd like to visit us at www.secretliferd.com. You can also join us on Instagram at The Secret Life Dietitians or on Twitter at, at T Dietitians. We also welcome show ideas to our uh, email address, dish at secretliferd.com. That's dish at secretliferd.com. We will see you next time wherever you get your podcasts.